Hey everyone, my name is Zach Adams. This past Sunday, we did things a bit differently. Before Greg got into his message, he brought Outpost's newest hire, Jake Williams, up to talk about the hiring process and to give Jake the opportunity to share some of his story with all of us. Enjoy this, and also make sure to check out the message from the same Sunday called What is Love? Well, we are so glad you're here. Welcome to Outpost Community Church again. And... Um, we are glad you're here. My name is Greg. Uh, I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Outpost Community Church. And um, this is Jake. Many of you guys know Jake. And so uh, we're going to start off the service a little bit different than usual um, and by talking about a few things together. Okay, but before I do that, I want to read to you something that's on our website. When you go to our website on the front page, this is one of the things that uh, you see. And if you take the time and read, this is what it says. It says, the church is a band of brothers and sisters who have been called out of sin and darkness into God's incredible love and light. We are not a perfect people, but we do have a perfect God who has shown us uh, his love for us even when we were dead in our sin. His love motivates us to give our lives to him as we join him in his rescue plan for humanity. We invite you to come and be the church with us. Uh, I love that statement, not just because I wrote it, but because it's true. And um, we are. And many of you guys are members here at Outpost Community Church. Um, and if you are a member here at this church, then this past week you got an email um, that we have an announcement that we're going to be uh, actually hiring for a position. And that person that we're hiring is actually Jake. And so what we want to do is we kind of speak to that this morning a little bit and give some time to it. So first thing I'm going to do is just kind of tell you how we came to this uh, conclusion that we need Jake on the team for this season, that the spirit of the God's leading us that place. And then we're gonna share a few more things about our stories that we think are really important for you guys to know and understand. So first, um, let me just let you know, when we're considering hiring or thinking through what we're doing here, I said earlier that we are a church that has a mission. And so we look at what we're doing and say, hey, do we have a mission or is there a certain like aspect of our mission um, that needs some help, okay? And so at Outpost right now, we have, over the past year, grown quite a bit. And it used to be just me, and then it was just me and Sydney part-time, and we kept growing, and then we brought on Addison. Um, but things are continuing to grow. And we now have, some of you guys may know this or not, 12 ministries running at Outpost. And um, we're still doing Sunday things. We still are doing membership and community. And you guys know that the way that we do community takes a lot um, because we are saying that we truly want to invest in you as a person. Um, and be a part of your life. And so the mission has grown. And as we have 12 ministries, my ability to lead all 12 of those ministries or be a coach or a friend of the leaders of those ministries has become more and more limited. And what my gifting is needs to be deployed more strategically. And so we began to realize that we need somebody to step in in more of a uh, director of ministries role that is both pastoral, has experience, and can be a coach that people can trust to lead and help these ministries um, lead with clarity and connectivity and unity uh, as they lead. So it's not just isolated ministries, okay? So the mission has grown, and we've, I, I know it and feel it on a daily basis. Some of you guys are beginning to see that happen as well, okay? So after we look at mission, we look at means, okay? Do we have the ability, do we need to, do we have the ability to put slide somebody into this role where they can take it and begin to lead in it? Okay, and right now, as we look at it, we don't have a person who's already on the team to be able to slide into these roles. And because it's such a big role that takes a lot of time, um, it, we begin to see that it's a, something that needs a full-time person in. 
So what we did next was we went to the BAT or the BAT team, which would be business advisory team team. Um, so we just call it the BAT. It's a business advisory team. Our elders are not, our, our leadership team is not the business advisory team. It's a separate team that do, does the work of the business using their giftings and talents in, uh, in that area. And so we talk to them, hey, do we have the ability to financially bring somebody on full time to be able to do this? And they gave us a thumbs up, said, hey, at this time, in this season that we're in, we have the ability to bring on somebody full time to run in this mission that you guys are describing to us. And so after we look at mission and then we find out about means, then we look at man. Do we have the man or woman, depending on the position, right? Do we have the man to be able to do this? And as we prayed about this months and months and months ago, um, we began to really see uh, as a leadership team that we felt Jake had the right giftings, experience, um, love for this body, involvement that would fit this role. And so we started asking him and Courtney to pray with us about this position. And it led a very long process of praying and talking and discussing and what does this look like? Um, because it involves a lot of things. He's got a business and family. Um, it's quite the transition, okay? Uh, and so we've prayed together and finally come to the conclusion that we think that the Lord is leading us to uh, not just a mission and the means, but also a man and the man being Jake. So now I want to address something uh, to you guys. We acknowledge that there may be feelings uh, in this body as well as in this community about Jake and by association, us, uh, because of our decision not just to hire Jake, but to even associate with him. Now, the way I'm phrasing this, you're probably like, what is going on? If you have no idea, great. This morning is about to be a great example to you of the way the church should operate. Knowing this is true for some of you in this room and from some of those in our community. Jake and I prayed and asked God if this could be an opportunity to share God's story of redemption in the life of the Williams. Proverbs 28, one says this, it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so we wanna sit up here as bold as we can be to say, hey, we've got nothing to hide and uh, we wanna live authentically with you, which is one of our core values. James 5.16 is the verse behind that. We say, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another and you will be healed. And so what we want to do is we want to take some time to have Jake just share his story with you. Okay? Uh, share his story. But it's not just his story. It's God's story in Jake's life. Now, before Jake does that, I want to be very clear about what our aims are. Okay? Let's start with the end in mind. Here's our aim. Our aim is not to justify our actions to you on why we're hiring Jake. Do we wanna bring clarity? Absolutely, but we're not here to try to self-justify. Number two, our aim is not to prove others wrong or point out the faults in others. It's not our goal. It's not gonna benefit you, us, or anybody. Our aim is to encourage you this morning to believe in our loving God's ability to transform lives and restore what the locusts have taken away, okay? And lastly, our aim is to remove any unnecessary cause for division in the body. And I think by the Spirit's power, that's exactly what's gonna happen this morning, okay? So Jake, he's gonna share with you uh, his story. Well, hey, first off, I just wanna say, uh, we are so pumped to be able to be a part of this team. Uh, something that we've uh, prayed about, we've uh, hoped 
uh, that would come someday. We didn't even know if it was going to be here, but we knew that someday uh, this could be part of our story. And so we are excited to be a part of this team uh, because five years ago we thought this may never happen again. Uh, so where I was at, I was employed at another church here in town, and uh, I was a pastor on staff. And I, I, I like to say I am a recovering Pharisee because I was a pretty good guy. I wanted to be a good guy, and I wanted others to look at me as a good guy. And so because of that, because of how I was raised, because of how uh, just the responsibilities that I had, I kind of felt like I couldn't be 100% authentic with people, uh, with close friends, with my community group. And so uh, even when I had struggles, I couldn't say, hey, I'm really struggling with this, because I thought, well, if I say these things, they're going to think different of me. And if I say these things, then uh, I may uh, be scolded by church leadership or whatever it was. And I just had this really distorted view of what, who I was and who I was in Christ. And it led me down a, a pretty rough path because what happened was uh, after serving many years in ministry and being busy with ministry and feeling like I was needing to be a good guy, I started uh, realizing that I had sin in my life that I wasn't sharing with people, and it was not just tripping me up, but is is creating a, a, a foothold. Uh, and what was happening was during that time, because of the busyness, because of the other things, that me and my wife started slowly emotionally separating from each other. We didn't really know what was happening uh, because it was kind of a slow fade, but we got to a point where we became roommates. Uh, a little bit. And during that same time, uh, there's my heart was shifting from her, and it was actually shifting towards another woman as well. And obviously, that was sin. But I knew that I couldn't say anything because there would go my reputation of being the good guy. And so I hid it, and unfortunately, uh, it carried on for a little while. And what happened was. The fortunate thing now is that God revealed it. Um, and he revealed it in which a way in which I didn't really want that to happen because in the midst of it, you don't want your sin to be exposed. But when it's exposed, there's pain, there's anguish, there's other things, and it's exposed. And um, I was asked to, be, to step down from my position at that church, which I did, and I knew I needed to happen. But I was also asked never to come back to that church. Uh, which that was the hard part for myself and my wife because now uh, there's this thing that I've created in our marriage that we've now got to work on. But not just that, we're now alone and we felt alone and we, there became isolation in that uh, to the point that it went on for a couple of years. Me and my wife, we struggled in our marriage, uh, not just like a couple fights here or there, but that point of almost divorce. Uh, I remember printing off divorce papers and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is horrible. This isn't marriage. I don't want to do it. And so uh, we sat down, we talked about what that would look like and how it would happen. And I remember sitting there with those papers one night by myself and thinking like, Lord, I know this isn't what you want. I know you can restore. I know you can restore this marriage. You can restore this family. Please, God, 
speak to me. And he said, I don't want you to get a divorce. I've got this. And I said, I know, but I don't know what to do now. And so went to my wife, and at that point we were separate rooms, and um, I said, hey, can we talk? And we talked, and I just said, I don't want to do this. And she said, either do I. So we said, now what? I said, hey, we have to go to counseling. We have to do this. So we did. We went to met a guy in Powell, and he just kind of shared with us uh, the gospel. It was super simple. And I thought, like, yeah, the gospel's great and all, but can you work on my wife? <laughs> yeah, okay, the gospel's great, you know, but we got some major problems. And he kept going, what is the gospel? What is the picture of marriage? Is the picture of, of Christ and his church? And, and he kept sharing these things with us, and it really started transforming our hearts. And it helped me realize, like, I don't have to be a good guy because God loved me through my mess. My wife doesn't have to be uh, this wonderful spiritual woman because God loved her through her mess. And so we looked at each other and went, if God can forgive us through our crap, we can forgive each other. And so we did, and we've moved forward. And I am excited to say that today I can look at my wife and say, I love her so much. And we have an amazing marriage, and our family is restored, and things are great. And so that's praise God for that, because uh, we didn't think that was going to happen. And as, uh, as we healed, so did our, our kids, so did uh, other things, and we knew that we wanted to be able to share our story somehow, some way, but we didn't know what it looked like. And so um, just being brought on here is just a 360 flip, because it's not just because of what we went through, um, but it's also just the story of, of Christ, the story of the gospel, story of redemption. And thinking back on those days, it's horrible. I, I still emotionally, I get caught up, obviously, but just thinking about where we were to where we are, not because of our efforts, not because of how good we were, not because of what we did, but because of the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ. That's where we're at. And so um, I know that there's things swirling out in the community, um, but I just want to kind of give you a, a quick synopsis of our story uh, over the last five, six years. So That's good. Hey, can we praise God for that? Um, but that, you know, that's Jake's story, but in the midst of his story, I mean, I could say, I want to say a hundred things, but one thing I do need to say is I got to confess that there's a story in my life on my end in the midst of Jake's story. And, um, at that time, and I've confessed this to Jake and I've confessed this to Courtney. Um, at that time I began to see signs of this in his life, uh, that this emotional connection was beginning and seeing an emotional detachment with Courtney and I began to question and with no excuse, I didn't say anything. And there was a day where I knew I need to, I need to ask about this, but I was more in love with Jake liking me than I was in love with Jake. And that's sin. That's sin. And... Um, I hate it. I love what God's done through it. But it's the reason why we're here today doing outpost. As we want to be men and women who love one another and admonish one another faithfully, counsel each other biblically. 
Um, my silence became my shame and I felt incredibly guilty that I never said anything. And finally, God's brought redemption in our relationship. Our relationship was broken for a season and God, God brought redemption through that. Just me coming to Jake and saying, hey, I'm so sorry. This is not all your fault, brother. Like, this is me. And um, so personally for me, there's just a, I praise and thank God for his kindness and also giving me a friend back and reminding me that I can be forgiven for my sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy. God's mercy is evident in both of our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages. It's very evident. Seeing what God can do to restore hope when we felt hopeless and renew us. And I think this is important for us this morning. I think this is a very important moment for us as the people of God so that we would understand that we have a God that in his loving kindness is a God of restoration and redemption. And so many of you are not prospering because you're living with unconfessed sin. And we want to tell you through our own experience that through confession, repentance, God's mercy is real. And so we've experienced, regardless of what anybody thinks, God's mercy. And if we are God's people, then we should be a people who extend that same mercy. And so our prayer is that you will see that confession repentance and the love of God can transform us in the deepest ways and make things that you thought would never be better, better than they've ever been before. Now, there are two questions that I think some of you might have in this room. And Jake's gonna answer the first question and we're gonna counsel you biblically. First question, if I have unconfessed sin in my life right now, what should I do? Jake's gonna tell you about that. Yeah, so... Oftentimes we try to hide. We have unconfessed sin and we'll allow people to see 90% of our lives, but those 10% we're like, no way. That's too shameful. That 10% is what's going to hold you back. That 10% is what's going to trip you up. And so the first thing to do is confess and forsake. Uh, Proverbs 28:13 says, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So that's the first thing is you need to confess. The uh, next thing is you need to share it with those around you, your spouse, your kids, your brothers, your sisters. You need to share it. You need to say, hey, here, here's what's going on in my life. And you also need to be sharing it with those in your community as well uh, because a band of brothers is, is tighter than anything else. And so you need to be able to say, hey, not just with what, that one person back in Ohio that you never see, right? You need to be able to say it to your brother sitting right mm-hmm. next to you. Uh, because James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Let me, let me say something real quick before you say that because he just said something perfect and it's, it's a proverb. It says, better is a, friend, a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far away. You see, the problem that pastors get into and get tripped up on is, well, I can't tell anybody in my congregation or I cannot tell the leadership team, I can't tell the elders. And if you can't confess your sin to the the elders and the leadership team, why are you asking everybody else to trust these guys? Get rid of them. They're not God's men. 
Better as a brother is near. You know why it's better to have a neighbor that is near than a brother is far away? Because that neighbor can look you straight in the eyes and they can love you and you can be fully known and yet fully loved. All right, I'll shut up. <laughs> and the next thing I, I kind of hit on it, but is to develop community. Uh, those sins, sometimes it's not a one-time deal and you go through these things in your life and you're like, hey, th- this is still something in my heart. I've confessed it, I've shared it but I'm not completely healed from it and I'm not completely uh, removed from this. So I need people around me to help encourage me, to spur me on, to challenge me, to admonish me, to counsel me biblically when, when needed. And so the best thing you can do is to get people around you who love you that much to do those things. Uh, because Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, look carefully when how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Um, and, and so that's one thing that I think many of us at times in our life, we said, hey, we'll give 90% of our lives to these people, but we're not giving that last 10. And uh, that 10 is what took me down. And that if I would have said, hey, Lord, community, here's 100%, I don't think it would have happened. And so um, really just that's, that's how Satan works. He doesn't work uh, typically out in public. He works in the closets. And so when you're at home, when you're doing these things and you're uh, in the dark, that's where Satan does his, his work. Yeah. Man, I hope you guys hear that. Okay. And we're not going to guilt you. The Holy Spirit will work in your life. We don't have to do that. And we, we pray that if the Holy Spirit is working in you right now, that you'll know that that Holy Spirit loves you. And he means nothing but good for you. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit. But first, here's the next question. What should I do if I still have concerns about hiring Jake for this position? What should I do? Or what should you do if you come across somebody who still has concerns? Here's what I'll tell you. Number one, don't gossip. Go. Don't gossip, go. Matthew, or uh, Proverbs eleven thirteen says, he who goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. We're not saying that you need to hide it. We're up here as bold as lions telling you our sin. But you should shut up if you don't know what you're talking about. Number two about that is Matthew eighteen fifteen. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. I tell you right now, you do not love your brother if you go tell everyone else but him. Come and have a conversation with us. We have time to talk with you about this. We don't have time to deal with you gossiping. Ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, number two, don't gossip, go. Number two is don't believe everything you hear. Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Think, slow down, ask good questions. If somebody says something, hey, how did you come to that conclusion? Help me understand. May we be a church that shuts down the gossip train. And number three, draw a circle around yourself, a lesson to me and to all of us. What do I mean by draw a circle around yourself? This is Jesus's words, not mine. He says this, judge not that you be not judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will it be measured to you? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Does this mean that you have to be perfect to go address somebody else's sin? No. But you do need to be humble. Okay? You do need to be humble. Draw a circle around yourself. I think I hear Jake's story and I run that filter over my life and it reminds me, man, Lord, change me, transform me. That could be me today. If you don't say that, you believe in the lies of the enemy and you're what the Bible calls a fool. Okay? I want to give you a good example. Our friend Chet was a great example this past week. We sent an email to our community group leaders and shepherds first to give them time to process it. And then we gave them like 48 hours before we told everybody else. Um, and so we told them, and so Chet is one of our community group leaders. And so he got that email. Well, Chet, when he got that email, I said, hey, if this is a shock to you, please reach out to us. And he sent me back a message saying, hey, this was a shock to me. Um, but he said, hey, I trust you guys as leaders. But regardless, in Chet, because of the influence of other people in his life, um, had some preconceived notions about Jake because of this past story. And so you know what Chet did? He went and told everybody about it. No. <laughs> Chet sent a message to Jake and said, hey, can I get a lunch with you? And the next day they sat down and they had a conversation. And he said, will you just help me understand? And they sat and they talked and Jake told him his story. He was very honest with him and shared it with him. And Chet was blown away because he was led to believe something that was not true. And Jake got to sit there and tell him. And it restored a relationship between two men who were acquaintances, now are friends. I'm telling you, follow Chet's example. Praise God. Now, I want to read to you something that I think, Jake, I didn't tell you I was going to read this. And I want all of you to hear this as well. In Luke chapter 22, verse 60, a lot of you guys know the story of Peter. Peter is uh, at the end of the Gospels. He has an opportunity to stand up for Jesus. And not only does he not do it, he doesn't do it three times in a row and once in front of a girl. Okay, no offense, girls, but come on. And this is what it says. The third time that it happens, I want you to read what happens. This is the only time we've seen the Gospels that we, we hear this. Luke 22, verse 60. But Peter said, man, man, I do not know what you are talking about. He was just asked. He says, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I want you to pause and think about that. Peter denies him the third time. The rooster crows and they turn and the Lord who's being beat right then looks directly into Peter's eyes. And this is what it says next. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Verse 62, and he went out and wept bitterly. You know, I think that's exactly what Jake could say was his experience. Went away and wept bitterly, broken over his sin. And you know what? It's to the church's shame because what we usually do is we leave those men out in the wilderness and they're weeping and they're broken in their bitterness, brokenness and bitterness. But that's not the way of the Lord. John 21, this is what Jesus does. Jesus comes and he appears to Peter and the disciples while they're fishing and he's on the shore and they see that it's Jesus. And so Peter, being the bold, brash guy, jumps out, swims all the way there. 
uh, gets up on the beach and they begin to have a meal over this fire. And as they're sitting there, Jesus, this is what happens. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And what he says right there is, do you agape me? Do you have sacrificial godlike love for me? And he said to them, Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But the way that Peter responds is, you know that I phileo you. You know that I have a friend, friendly love for you. He can't respond the way Jesus says it. He said to him, feed my lambs, which is an invitation. Take care of my church. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I can't say that I sacrificially love you. I can't say that anymore. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I phileo you. But you know, the third time when Jesus asks, he doesn't say, do you agape me? You know what Jesus says? He says, Peter, on the third time, do you phileo me? Jesus asked Peter that. Jesus changes the way he says it. You know why? He's telling Peter, I know you don't agape me. Peter responds, Lord, you know everything you know that I phileo you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show him the kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Our Jesus says, hey, I know you can't love me perfectly, but I'll love you perfectly. Get up, follow me. We got work to do. And I'm so thankful, Jake, and I hope you hear this, that because of the love of God for you, you're Peter, and he's saying, follow me. And I am excited, and our leadership team is excited for him to be partnering with us in this ministry to take care of the sheep of God. So praise be to God that we have a God who's a redeeming God. And I want you to hear, guys, hear that. There might be moments in your past where you felt like you sinned and the eyes of the Lord are on you and it's broken your heart. But I want you to know our God is a God who will meet you again on a beach and say, hey, I love you. Follow me. Amen? Yeah. Well, let me pray for Jake. And then we're going to transition by the Spirit's power to 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? Father, thank you for loving me and my brother. And I pray blessing on him. Lead him not into temptation, but deliver him from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. May we as a church put our flag in the ground, our stake in the ground this morning, that we will believe that the God of the word is a God of healing and redemption and grace and mercy. And may hundreds be set free from the captivity and bondage of sin because of testimonies like this. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.